1: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello, and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book, and we are not going to discuss COVID protocol, uh, or maybe perhaps more importantly, who is not on COVID protocol. We are going to look at the general manager search as the Canadians are in a break. There's not really much uh, game action going on with the Canadians or the Laval Rocket. Uh, joining me today, Matt Drake. Matt, how are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm doing terrific. Um, not much to do here in Quebec right now, uh, especially <laughs> no, no Habs playing, everything's closed, but but I'm I'm doing terrific.
1: Yeah, th- thank you for taking the last uh, hour and forty minutes before we're locked inside our houses, um, as it's as it is approaching ten o'clock here as we're recording this. But uh, th- there's a lot of interesting names about the Canadian general manager search, and I-, I think what makes it more most interesting to me is not only that there's so many new names that we've never really thought of or even talked about before for a role like this but also just that there's so many names I, like I, going back to the last time we had to really think about this which is 2012 it was basically mark bergevin i think vincent d'enfousse was in the running at some point and and pierre mcguire <laughs> right like that that was yeah. th- those were like the only names that really uh came up
0: no point they weren't nearly as expansive last time as, as they appear to be this time at the very least.
1: Yeah. I don't, and- I don't know
0: if they're, if they're just trying to give off the appearance of, of being super expansive and they already have their, you know, their person in mind, but uh, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, to see that many names, especially compared to last time.
1: And, and I wonder, I wonder if, if Jeff Gorton being involved and not just Jeff Molson doing it. Uh, I mean, he had Sarah Savard helping him a little bit as well. Uh, and there were rumors that he was going to be like the the vice president of hockey operations at the time. But I, I feel like now it, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's an approach. I mean, we're in a completely different world than we were in 2012, just in terms of hockey, you know, analytics and front offices, it's a completely different landscape, right? There's no way you'd be looking at the names that we're looking at now in 2012. I mean, most of them were, actually playing at that point but that's besides the point <laughs> but some of them even for runchell canadians uh in 2012 maybe not 2012 but a few years after for sure but uh yeah it, it's going to be interesting and we i know i had an article about women who uh, could be looked at for for front office positions two of them are apparently or reportedly on the list to be interviewed uh from that list so that's that's pretty uh, cool, there's, there's women involved in this, in this search because you know, I, I don't know if there's ever been a woman interviewing for a GM job before in the NHL. Uh, there's been rumors of, I think Angela Ruggiero, maybe in Florida, uh, was, was one of the times that I can remember that. But it, it, it's a very interesting search. And it really, you know, a lot of people are going to look at the list and be like, oh, if you're hiring someone French, you have to hire somebody with no experience. But on the flip side, this kind of turns the whole there's nobody available because you're cutting the language kind of on, on its head. It's turning it on its head because, you know, I don't know many places that are going to interview upwards of eight or so people for, for, for a GM job. Yeah. I, I don't think Vancouver's going to do that. I don't think Anaheim's going to do that. Uh, I don't think Chicago's going to do that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I think what's interesting to me and what, what you know we're hearing lots of rumors, like you are as well, about how you know there might be a of uh, one of the candidates will be GM, one of them will be assistant GM. But this is how you develop executives, right? Like if you're yeah. going to hire French people, you have to develop them, and and, and I think that that's something that the, the the Canadians are are maybe finally realizing, because while you know, if you look at the coaching staff, you had Dominic Ducharme, you had Joel Bouchard, uh, Alex Burroughs, you know, kind of waiting in the wings. Now you have Jean-Francois Houle, but general manager, you had Scott Mellenby, who wasn't going to be chosen and, and left the organization. And, and you have, you have Martin Lapointe, who is still in the organization, but not a candidate for, for this role. And, and who knows what his future is, you know, when mm-hmm. a new GM does get hired, but you know, it's, they haven't really done that. And a lot of that is maybe Mark Bergevin, you know, maybe doing a little bit of job preservation, being like, who are you going to hire if you fire me? I don't think he's necessarily doing that, but I, I you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a different, it's different to put prospects in place to replace coaches. It's a different thing to prepare for your dismissal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you know, anybody who is in that position is not going to think, Hey, maybe I should hire someone so that they're good, better off when I leave um which obviously was you know at the end it kind of got that way it kind of got weird right because there's that rumor like scott melondy was you know the heir apparent and he was going to be hired and then jeff molson's like you know what maybe we want a different direction so it's kind of like mark version was like setting up to leave himself and then the season went completely down hill and we're stuck where, well i'm not stuck yeah. where we are but we are where we are oh. <laughs> um we'll start it off. We're going to go through this list kind of uh, one by one, but you know, there's going to be some candidates we're going to have more to say about than others. And we'll just get it out of the way. We're going to start with Patrick Hoa who uh, has done the most campaigning for this job uh, than, than anybody. And he it's kind of like he's using who he is and the fan the fan uh, feelings surrounding him to his advantage because I don't think he was on the radar, but by him saying, I haven't been contacted. I'm very interested. I, I think it got the, the, the support of the people to a point where they're like, okay, listen, we're going to have to at least interview him. And that, that's my, that's my vision of it. And uh, I, I think that he's a long shot of long shots for, for this job.
0: Yeah, I don't I, I, don't think it just feels like he's doing that. It's <laughs> To me, it's 1,000% what he's doing. I mean, any, anybody who follows his teams knows who he is, knows what he brought to the organization as a player. I think right now he has a better chance of becoming the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens again than he does to become the general manager uh, because obviously everybody's got COVID. So sure, you, you want to start a few more games, Pat. Uh, come on down. I'm, I'm sure we could we could let you uh, you know rekindle your your NHL days a little bit. but as, as a general manager, it's a hard no for me. You saw you know as a coach in Colorado what, what he did there, we've seen enough of what he's done in the QMjHL to know that I mean if, if if he had let's say I don't know three or four memorial cups under his belt and he was just absolutely destroying the competition in the CHL uh, with the, the rampalds Quebec, then maybe we would have like a legitimate case to have him as the general manager, right? Right now, the only case he has is I'm Patrick Roy and you know what I did here, right? (laughs) So that's really all he has to go on and kudos to him. I mean, he's running with it and and he's put himself in the running, but I can't see them going further than giving him the interview again, like you said, to placate the the, the fans and the media who are behind him in that pursuit.
1: Yeah, and the the irony in this is that he is one of the only candidate to actually have NHL front office experience <laughs> because, you know, he did have uh, three, three seasons with the Colorado Avalanche, mostly as head coach, but he was also the vice president of hockey operations, yeah. which, you know, is kind of what he does in, in the QMJHL Quebec, where he's the GM and the head coach. Uh, although now he's, you know, he, I mean, he's, he left, he's also the owner um, of, of the organization. So, I mean, th- there's a lot going on there. But yeah, I I, I don't want to discount him out of hand, but I also don't think that he's necessarily the best person for this job. And and the reason for that is look, if you're trying to start fresh from the Marc Bergervin era, I don't know if you want to hire somebody who is has just as big a head as Mark Bergevin does. And, and, and I think that, and I'm not, not taking anything away from Patrick Waugh here, but at the same time, the, the, the approach the Canadians are are doing with their front office is very obviously a team approach, right? It's not going to be one person controlling everything. It's not going to be one person who is, you know, going to be, you know, Patrick Waugh is not even going to be at the top of the hockey operations pedestal, right? Like he's, you know, he was VP hockey operations with Colorado. That job is taken right now, right? Like he's going to be working, you know, under Jeff Gorton. And I don't want to say that, you know, whoever's GM is going to be a puppet because that's not what's going to happen, but it's going to be a team approach. All decisions are going to be made. There's going to be an analytics team. There's going to be, you know, a a group of, of, you know, scouts and and basically everything is going to be reworked here. And, And I don't know if he's necessarily the person to do that you know, we're not in the interview process. We don't know what Jeff Gordon's looking for. We don't know what is oh. going to be said in those interviews, but I, I feel like he's the long shot here. And if his name wasn't Patrick Waugh, we probably wouldn't even be discussing him. Right. I, I feel like I, it's, it's kind of, you know, interesting in, in all of this and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of parallels between, you know, now and, and even, you know, going back to, to Rayjean hull and, and Mario Tremblay and, and things like that. But I, I feel like if Patrick Waugh does take over, it'll be a very, we'll know, we'll know what's going to happen very quickly, right? It's not going to be like Patrick is not a rebuilding GM, right? Like Patrick Waugh is, is going to be a guy who comes in. He's going to try and do everything in like the first two or three years. And if it doesn't work, he's just going to leave. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and that's not even taking anything like i just feel like he, he's that that's that's basically what's gonna happen like i don't see him as a patient you know i'm gonna do this uh in, in a team and and i just i feel like his temperament is not what the organization needs i i don't i i think that you know from a pr move it might be good in that oh look the you know the chosen one is, is coming back you know the last guy to win a Stanley cup of Montreal as a goaltender is now going to come back and, and, and you know, run things. And yeah, there, there's, good PR there, but, but PR is more than just a splash when you hire somebody, right. There's, there's a lot of other things going on and, you know, you know, the, with the hiring of Chantal Maccabee uh, on Wednesday to be the, basically the, the spokesperson for this team and the person directing how this is going to go in the long run, I don't know if Patrick was the right person for the job, but in a rebuild, right? If this team, look, if, if Mark Berger, let's say the Canadians win the Stanley cup last year, they win the Stanley cup. Mark Berger was like, you know what? This is great. I'm going to retire. I'm going to take the last year of my contract and say, you know what? I'm going to walk away from this. Then maybe you go into a direction with Patrick Watt. Maybe, you know, where, where you're, you're still, you don't need to do a complete rebuild. You're not going to bring in, you know, at that point, you're not going to bring in a VP of hockey operations. Patrick Wall could be that person at that point. Right. So I, I do think that you know the circumstances could have been different, but in a situation we're in right now, it, it would be a very short-term, a short term outlook, I think, to bring in Patrick Wall. And what this team needs right now is anything but a short-term fix, right? Like yeah. you have to think long term here. You
0: have to think long term. You you mentioned the temperament right let's just go back to what was his last game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform right now I've I've written articles about this I don't blame him for that situation I blame Mario Tremblay a lot more than I blame him for his whole departure but he rage quit on the Montreal Canadiens organization and then got his way out went to Colorado and won two more cups as a general manager you, you can't rage quit right you can't uh, have a, a really bad loss and flip out in front of the media, and I think you're running that risk with him, where he might act exactly like he kind of did as a player. And if if things start to go bad, he's just going to flip out, and he's going to lose it on his players, and then he's going to lose the room, right? And then you might have some guys who ask to leave Montreal because they they don't want to deal with it. Um, I I just don't. I, I think the temperament is an issue. I think the resume as an executive is an issue. And I just I think the only thing, that, again, that he has to stand on is his resume as a player in Montreal, which, let's face it, is quite substantial. Uh, but I don't think that's enough to to get you the job. So, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I'm not going in that direction.
1: You don't want a GM who's going to, you know, trade people mid game. Right. Like, you don't <laughs> want you don't want GMs to like act on their 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 emotions. Right. Like, And and, and for all like I see temperament with Mark Bergevin. It was more of an, you know, I don't want to say ego even, but just there was a confidence about Mark Bergevin that, that, may have, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, especially as as his tenure went on. I think at the beginning, it was kind of charming. And, and then, you know, as he got frustrated and as the team, you know, he started to get questioned about it, um, it, it started to, to turn around and, and it was seen as a negative. But you don't want, he, he was very good at, at separating emotions for, for the most part. I mean... You know, there were some weird, you know, some decisions that seemed a little, um, shall we say, triggered. Um, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking for the PK Subban trade in particular, where that one just seemed like it was two people who just couldn't coexist in the organization for whatever reason. And and I and I don't know if that, you know, you don't you want to get away from that, and and I don't think you want that. And you you mentioned. You know, even looking at his QMJHL coaching record, I mean, his first year he lost in the final of the QMJHL. Then he lost in round one, lost in round two, lost in round three, lost in round two, lost in round three, lost in round two, lost in round two. Then he went to the NHL where he lost in round one. He made the playoffs the first year in Colorado. And then the team got worse every year after that and out of the playoffs twice. Then when he came back to the QMJHL with the Quebec Rampart in in 2018 2019 they lost in round one and 20, 2019 2020 you know the team was under 500 and then last year they were very good but there's obviously no no playoffs um or, or yeah, anything no, like that so somewhere yeah. in there
0: sorry so, so, i didn't want to cut you off but somewhere in there i don't know if it was right after he went back to the Rampart or before he went to colorado where he like directed his son to go down the ice and fight another
1: goaltender who didn't want to fight him like yeah, yes, that there was that as well. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's it, it'd be a ticking. It'd be a great. I don't want to say it'd be a great experiment, but I just don't think that that's the direction the one-shell canes are going to go on and go in because when you hire Patrick Wah, Patrick Wah becomes a story, and I feel like that's what they're trying to avoid, right? I think they're trying to build up the organization again, mm-hmm. and and I just feel like within three years it's either going to be maybe even less than three years, it would either be a complete failure or a complete success, but nothing in between. <laughs> right? Like, like I feel like by the end of year three, it'll either be horribly wrong or, and and look, this team is not three years away from being a contender. So you can see what kind of direction I think it's going to go in. But yeah, I, I he's a great name. You know, if he becomes GM, all the power to him. I just think he's the long shot here. Um, man. We, we spent a lot of time talking about somebody who we both think is a long shot, but, <laughs> but we have to mention him, right. You have to mention him. It's like, you know, it's like, I just, I can't even think of a, a comparable here. Like, you know, Joe Sakic, who runs the Avalanche right now, he was a, he was a, a legend there, but like, he wasn't Patrick Waugh, right. Like it, it's not the same thing. Like I just, I can't think of another, another kind of what, well, well, even like, you know, when you look at Wayne Gretzky and, and players like that, you know, if Marty Brodeur became like the GM in New Jersey, maybe, but even then it's not even the same thing. Like it, it's just, I, I can't think of a comparable and maybe it's just because I can't think of something off the top of my head right now, but I just feel like, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great story. I don't know if that's the great, the best choice for what the Canadians want to do. Assuming that we think we know what the Canadians want to do. You know, I'm not in Jeff Gorton's head. Uh, I'm not in those interviews. You know, it might turn out that Patrick was very humble and, and has great ideas and, and they want to implement them. Um, we'll have to see. Moving on to what I think, and, and we'll, we'll go to what what your who your pick is, I think. And, and that's Matthew Darsh, right? Is that your pick? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I think you look at... Okay. F- first and foremost, my big thing with a GM search is that I'm, I'm f- absolutely sick. I almost swore there. I'm absolutely sick. Uh, you can probably insert the, the word that you thought I was going to say there of teams just cycling through the same general managers over and over and over again, mm-hmm. right? And Mathieu Dash represents a little bit of a departure from that, but not completely. It's not like we're hiring somebody with no experience. He's been in Tampa Bay. He's been a part of two teams that won back-to-back Stanley Cups. And apparently, according to what I'm reading, he's been very involved with Julien Brisebois in terms of decision-making and in terms of different projects that he's working on, in terms of player evaluation, uh, in terms of personnel decisions that he's making. So knowing that, I mean, if, if you were going to poach somebody from Tampa, obviously the ideal candidate is but he's not available, right? <laughs> so if you sit there and you, and you look, all right, well, we need somebody who speaks French, um, who's under him that we could go after. Because obviously it's not just him, right? He's not just masterminding that whole thing and has a bunch of puppets doing whatever he says. Mm-hmm. According to what people are saying, Mathieu D'Arche has been very, very involved in the decision-making in that organization and two straight Stanley Cups. So I say, why not? Give him a shot, right? You have Jeff Gordon in place, right? To kind of act as that, that, that extra layer to, to help him learn the position a little bit more because he's been in that position before. He has that experience. So you have that guy. And then you have Matthew Dash, who knows the organization. He's played here. Uh, he was n- not exactly a fan favorite, but I don't, I don't know what everybody else. I loved him when he played for the Habs. He was, he was you know, kind of a heart and soul guy. He's, he's Montreal through and through, went to McGill, grew up in Saint-Laurent. What more could you ask for in terms of fitting what the Habs need from a language and from a background standpoint, and also having a little bit of experience, but not having so much experience that he's just one of those guys that you're just cycling back through people that you've already had before. I think it's a perfect hire. I I really do. And I hope that that's the direction that they go in because he's, he's my pick the more, even as they've introduced more names, there's been other people I've been intrigued in, right? Like when they brought up Kent Hughes, I was intrigued by that. They brought up Martin Madden jr. Definitely intrigued by that, but dash for me, he represents a bit of a departure from what they've been doing for so long. And, and I love it. And I, I really hope that that's the direction that they go in.
1: Yeah. You know, we talked, like I mentioned the language thing off the top. Matthew Darsh would be a GM candidate for any team looking for a GM, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that he speaks French is a bonus. And, and it's kind of ironic that that the Canadians would hire Matthew Darsh, who is working under Julian Breezewell, because that's exactly what Tampa Bay did when they hired Julian Breezeball to work under Steve Eisman uh, when, when Breezeball was working with the Canadians yeah. and, you know, there was a regime change um, you know, Breezeball was even a candidate if, if I remember correctly, when, uh, when Mark Bergema was hired because he was already in the organization. And, and I think that once they went into that, he was still inexperienced at that point. I mean, we're talking 10 years, you know, he still had seven or so years in Tampa under Steve Eisman before becoming the GM there. So, you know, you can say revisionist history, but at the same time, you know, it's a different conversation. I think that, you know, if, you know, if you want to rewrite history, Darsh is the guy who is most like Breezeball was at that time. So if you want to get a guy like that in your organization, this is the time to do it. And you mentioned the experience. He played in Montreal. He played in the AHL. He, he's been in the market. He's been around an organization that has won similar to, to what Mark Bergevin was before coming over to Montreal. And, and I just feel like he ticks off all the boxes. And the, this is probably, I, I would say he's probably the favorite now that Tampa has given him because The only, the only question was whether Tampa would give him permission, right? And, and now that they have, you know, apparently, I, I think that it would be a very uh, interesting hire. And, and it's funny because we, we talked about this before going on, you know, going on the air, but if you asked me like two months ago, but like, yeah, Matthew Darsh is definitely my choice. And, and now that you have all these other weird names that are popped up, I'm like, oh, Darsh is boring. But but boring, <laughs> like Patrick Waugh, and the argument I made against him, those are the arguments for Matthew Darsh. And that boring is good, and and you can't argue with the experience um, of of what he's brought, and you know what what he would bring to to the organization. So, you know, it, it's it's a, it would be a very, very very good. Uh, and smart hire um, there are other candidates as well but I, I think that you know if you look at the combination of experience and and potential darsh's is, is, should be at the top of the list and i think he is um as well you know he played parts of three seasons with montreal and and you mentioned you know fan favorite he was kind of like steve beijan at 2.0 right a little, where, a little where, bit <laughs> yeah where you bit. know steve beijan was was a huge fan favorite Uh, a little bit earlier than, than Darsh came over. And, you know, this is a guy who was in the NHL, but I mean, his top season was, you know, 73 games, ironically with the lightning before coming to Montreal and, and and then, you know, played, you know, his last year in Montreal played 61 games, the year before that played 59 games, seven playoff games. Like he was, he was a big, he was a major part of that, that bottom six um, on, on some teams that weren't, weren't too bad. Uh, yeah. but he, he never he never intersected with Berger. no and the other thing that really
0: like when he came up as a candidate uh, I went back and I was like trying to pull like old interviews of him talking and stuff like when you listen to him talk about hockey you you understand pretty quickly like he, he has a deep understanding of the game right and I remembered back to watching him play and like he never had I mean, he does come from an athletic family, right? His brother, I think, played as a long snapper in the NFL, but he was never one of the best athletes on the team, not once. Mm -hmm. And and obviously my exposure to him was really only while he played for the Havs, but he was never one of the best athletes. What he was, was supremely well-positioned and he had a, a really good understanding of the game. So he knew where he needed to be and he had success as a result of knowing where he needed to be. So somebody who understands the game on that level, I see him being able to bring in the right players And not necessarily going after big splashes, not necessarily going after, you know, just homegrown players for the sake of appeasing a certain faction of the media that needs you to get those players, right? I see him being a guy who's able to look objectively at the roster and go, okay, what do I need? Like, who on this roster now do I need? Like, who's untouchable? What do I need to get to support them? How do we build this into a legitimately competitive team moving forward? I see him as being able to do that. And again, I would encourage anybody listening, like go back. If you can pull old interviews with Matthew Darsh. listen to him talk. It, it's, it's impressive. You know, the amount of knowledge that he appears to have about the game. And I, 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 honestly, I hope they pick him that that's my guy and I'll, I'll be ecstatic if they do.
1: Yeah. you know, it, It's kind of funny because, you know, when you look at a guy like Matthew Darsh, he's, he, he just thinks the game he's always been like a smart player on the ice and, And, and then, you know, you look at Tampa Bay as an organization, you know, part of their bread and butter has been finding diamonds in the rough in Quebec. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that in Montreal, that's, you know, that's, that's, that that is what you, that's like gold star territory, right? Because the, the best thing to do is to find players without having to really use, you know, high draft picks and things like that. Right. You don't want to, have to choose Quebec born players in the first round every year to try and get your team together. But if you can find these guys undrafted or late in the draft, that is something that Montreal is going to look to improve and has to improve. You know, Jeff Gordon mentioned it. Like I want to, I I want, he wants to build this team with local talent. He always has tried to do that wherever he went even in Boston and, and New York. So, so Matthew Darsh, I'm not saying they're going to bring over the same scouting staff that that is working so well in Tampa Bay, but he has that knowledge, that experience, and and sees what works and what doesn't. And for whatever reason, what hasn't necessarily maybe worked in Montreal, maybe up until the 2021 draft, um, at least from a Quebec perspective. M- moving on to another former player of the Canadians, and this one is interesting because he's kind of been around the the, the hockey management. Game since he retired, and that's Daniel Brier. And one thing you can be sure of, if they hire Daniel Briere, is that Michel Terrier will not become the head coach of the Canadiens. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he, that that you can be sure about that. But no, I, I again, I feel like he has a similar trajectory to to Darsh in that, you know, he played in the NHL when short players. Rarely played in the NHL, right? So you do have to think the game a little bit differently. He has worked with uh, the CHLs, uh, main Mariners. He's he's with the Flyers right now, the Philadelphia Flyers front office. And you know, again, very raw, probably more raw than than Matthew Darsh. Um, and but what's interesting to me is that he he has the knowledge of somebody who, a didn't want to sign here when he was a top free agent and chose to go to Philadelphia mm. when Montreal was trying to sign him. And B, if anyone knows what it's like to be a French Canadian player in Montreal and face the pressure, it's him. Or well, maybe not even French Canadian pressure. But you know, he wasn't signed as a top guy, but he still faced that pressure almost every game and and eventually ended up getting getting traded. Uh, you know, once he once he left the organization as well. So it's it's one of those things where he has that experience and know how, and I really like the ability to call on someone who has played in Montreal, because as as, as you know, Mark Bergeron had a great career in the NHL, but he doesn't didn't know what it was like to play in Montreal in today's you know environment, and you know Briere is still you know about ten years out from from having played Munchal a little less, actually. But at the same time, he understands that. And, and, and that's intriguing to me, uh, to, to bring someone into that, that mindset. But, you know, you mentioned Darsh's know-how and experience, Briere doesn't have that. And you can say the same thing. We'll, we'll go quickly and you know, I'll put them together because I feel in my mind they're together is Roberto Luongo, which is very similar in that, you know, player who's played a lot of time in the NHL, he is, you know, Luongo has some experience of Hockey Canada but you know in terms of nhl not really much experience and i don't think that's necessarily negative because like you mentioned like you mentioned you have jeff Gordon there right but at the same time it's hard to get a read on what they would bring right you just don't have an idea mm-hmm. of what they would bring to the organization like you you think you know what darsh would bring but these guys it, it, it's they're like in my mind briere and luongo are still players right like it's it, it just yeah, like i i'm still a few years behind but but i mean it just feels like they just retired, and so it kind of, it feels kind of weird to think about them as, as GM candidates. But but they are interesting and intriguing names, even if they might not be the most experienced. But but you know names that might be worth giving a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Briar, the one thing that interests me is is what you already mentioned is that he has that experience of being a player who didn't want to come to Montreal, right? And I think that that experience, like. Uh, I don't want to call it experience that background of having been a player who said no to Montreal and chose somewhere else. It, it might give him a very interesting perspective in negotiations with free agents. Uh, Cause let's face it, like the Habs have had, you know, not the greatest time convincing free agents to come over here. Bergevin, To his credit, uh, as much as I was not a big fan of his, he got creative and he went out and got some guys in, in like, for example, when he brought over Alexander Radulov, -hmm. Right. Nobody was really talking about him. And then all of a sudden he comes up on the radar and bam, he's a Montreal Canadian. It didn't last, but you you saw that you know he had to get a little bit more creative. He wasn't necessarily getting free agents lining up outside of the Bell Center to sign contracts with him. So maybe that experience from Briar is is better than actual experience as a general manager, but I don't think so. Right. Again, when I mentioned earlier, I don't want to see them going through the same revolving door of GMs that they've already had. It's all this guy's had a a role as a general manager before, and he did this, this, this. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see them bring on somebody new who's never done the job, right? But I don't want to see them bring on somebody whose only experience is ECHL. Right. And when we go to Luongo, I definitely don't want to hear anything about somebody where they tell me, well, I have experience with hockey Canada. That's cool. I have experience shooting fish in a barrel. Does that make me an elite fisherman? I don't think so. When you work with hockey Canada, you're working with the best players in the world and not just the best you're working with the cream of the crop. Your, your, your toughest decision is, you know, probably in net for Canada. Right. And obviously the NHL is not going to the Olympics anymore, but like, what's your toughest decision is do I play Carey Price or do I not play Carey Price? If that's your hardest decision, then you don't have a very hard job, right? You. <laughs> what, what's another tough decision they have to make? Well, do I put Sidney
1: Crosby on the
0: line or do I split them up?
1: Who, who do I cut to make Chris Kunitz on the team? Yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> it's not, it, it's not hard working at, at hockey Canada. And I don't accept anybody telling me, well, you got to look at that experience. I, I don't buy it. I don't think Mike Babcock's a good coach and he won a couple of gold medals. So uh, let's face it. When you have that kind of talent, it, it is what it is. You're, you're going to do well. Right.
1: He, he won a Stanley uh, cup too. And in, in fairness, but I, not that I'm saying he's a, he's a good coach um, either, but you know, uh, I mean, there's lots of coaches that won a Stanley cup that maybe weren't very good coaches.
0: Well, if if Roberto Luongo had a Stanley Cup too, then maybe I'd give him some consideration <laughs> for the general manager job. But yeah. I, I, but he doesn't, so I won't. Yeah. Um. I if he listen, he I, we know he speaks French, so he he meets that criteria. Whatever you think about that being a criteria in the first place, um, and he's he's from Montreal, right? So he's he he fits the profile of what you're looking for. But I, I would like to see some experience other than i've worked at hockey canada where i have you know the cream of the absolute cream of the crop available to me
1: he'd be entertaining right i I feel like i feel like he'd he'd be like you know you remember when mark virgin was first hired and he was like you know joking around and doing things like that all the time i feel like luongo would do that and and obviously you know it's a serious job to be the gm on joke canadians and i'm not saying that he'd be joking all the time (laughs) but but i I do think that he would be he would joke around like, I, I think that he would not lose all of that.
0: <clears throat> I'd let him run the Habs Twitter account if it was my decision. <laughs> he, can run, he can run the Twitter account, no problem. Yeah, you know,
1: that, that'd be amazing. Like, imagine if he still tweeted while being a GM. Like that, That'd be that'd be <laughs> fun. Um, but I think the issue here is is that you want to have, like, these are all great play, people to develop, right? Whether it's Darsh or, or Luongo or Briere. The thing is, is that Will you bring, like, will they want to develop as an assistant GM? Like, I, I feel like Luongo working with a guy like Darsh or, or something like, like that, that's what you want to do is you want to collect these guys in your organizations so that you, they have this experience. Right. And, and I'm not saying that GM is a great spot to get that experience. That's not what I'm saying, but I feel like, you know, if you build up your assistant general manager, spots with these play with these guys and and if you know it might be a lateral move for some of these players uh, i don't know what luongo, luongo is like the director of goaltending i think in in florida right now so like you know assistant gm would still be a promotion for him so i i am intrigued into not only who they hire as gm but who they surround the gm with because yep. there, there's so many options that you can bring in to to kind of surround these people and get them that experience and yes maybe you're going to get them that experience for other teams right you know Guy Boucher was seen as the the next head coach of the Montreal Canadiens until he was hired by two different NHL teams right and 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 yes you run that risk Joel Bouchard same thing right you you he's brought in as kind of a future potential head coach and then another team hires him and that's fine you're gonna but you know, the thing is that you want to have that option, right? When, when, when Mark Bershman fired Claude Julien, he had Dominic Ducharme, he had Joao Bouchard, you know, to a lesser degree, he had Alex Burrows and, and Daniel Jacob, you know, two guys that, you know, weren't necessarily going to be head coaches, but you had guys to replace Bouchard if you brought Bouchard to the NHL. Like There was, there was a, a, a system in place. And I feel like Jeff Gorton, Jeff Molson need to do that as a general manager as well. And there is the chance that yes, Julian Brisbois will go to Tampa and win Stanley Cups. You run that risk, but at the same time, it's better to have too many options than be in a situation where, you know, it, you know. Imagine if Jeff Gordon wasn't here, right? Like, would you trust Matthew Darsh to lead the hockey operations? Probably not. You know, and and especially not when you look at Briere and and Luongo and you know some of the other names that are going to go on down on this list. So it, it, it's a it's a weird it's a weird situation, but I think that this is showing what the Canadians need to do better when, with with this new regime. And, you know, when a guy retires, like like when, you know, say Patrick, Patrick Bergeron retires, right. He's obviously probably going to go to the Boston Bruins, but if, if he doesn't get hired by the Boston Bruins, that's the kind of guy you can bring into your organization. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where that's how you can build, you know, those kind of connections and, and build guys into roles. And, and I, I just think that, they, you know, those are the kind of guys that that you want to bring around. And, you know, if, if things ended differently for, with Daniel Briere in Montreal or with even Patrick Waugh in Montreal, maybe we're talking about those guys, you know, working their way into a role in the organization. Um, Which would know, be fine. Yeah,
0: like, exactly. That, that's the one situation where if you look at a candidate like uh, Briere, or uh, Luongo, if they came in as assistant general managers and they were learning under somebody else, all of them obviously being guided ultimately by Jeff Gorton, um, I, I think that's okay, right? You have to build people up before they're ready for that role. Uh, it's just, you know, if, they're, if, if we're talking about them as legitimate candidates for that top spot right under Jeff Gorton, then my answer is no.
1: Yeah, and I think that if you're, if you're trying to eliminate the... the... The per, like the perception of whoever you hire is just a French speaking puppet. The, yeah. the, those aren't the guys to hire. And, and there's nothing against them. They might have really great ideas, but the the undertone is going to be like, oh, this guy is so inexperienced. What's what's going to happen? And that's not taking anything away from them. It's just right now. I don't like Patrick Waugh. I don't know if right now it's the right the right choice, but they are intriguing. I'll tell you that. Like if they get hired, I want to hear what they have to say. Because I do think that they have some interesting perspective, um, both mm-hmm. of them. And speaking of listening to what somebody has to say, look at this segue. Marc Denis is somebody who, if you watch RDS, and if you do speak French um, and understand French, Marc Denis is pr- one of the best analysts in hockey in terms of color commentary. And his name is probably, I want to say, probably the most interesting to me. Because I wouldn't have thought he would be a candidate um but again we're talking about front office experience he literally has none (laughs) like you know it's he's definitely knows the the Montreal Canadiens though
0: and he does
1: yeah (laughs) but I mean I I think that that would be that would be the 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 pick where I'd be like oh okay I guess I I think that pick would be even more boring than Darsh um there just wouldn't be anything exciting about it for me like I, I just I just don't I don't know if that's the right direction
0: Look, they, they did hire and McAbee today, right, as their uh, VP of communications. So maybe their idea is we're just going to pillage RDS, and the next thing we're going to get is Pierre Oud as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> but I don't I I don't see it. He's a fantastic orator, honestly. Like, the, the way that he speaks, like, I love – my favorite channel to watch Montreal Canadiens hockey on has been and always will be RDS. I – I honestly, I I have a great disdain for most of the other channels (laughs) because they're not RDS. The only thing that I could ever stomach more than RDS was when Bob Cole was calling games on CBC. Then that was the one thing that would get me to change my channel and leave the French and go watch it in English was Bob Cole. Um, Marc Denis is a big part of that. He is a fantastic analyst. He sees the game very well. I would honestly be more interested in talk about him as coach than I am as general manager. I would. Because the way he sees the game, um, I, like I know he played goaltender. So it's it's odd to think of a goaltender stepping in as a head coach. I can't even honestly think off the top of my head anybody who's done it. Patrick Waugh.
1: Certainly not. Well, Patrick that It's a short list, though, it definitely. I, I, sh- I should have added
0: successfully on the end of that. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, I don't see it. Uh, f- from a general manager standpoint, again, another guy who maybe you could bring him in as an assistant general manager. And it would be interesting because he speaks very well. He's a great orator um, and-, and he sees the game very well. So he'd be able to explain a lot of the different things that they want to do um, in-, in a way that the fans would understand, because guess what? That's what he does for a living right now. And he's been doing it for a living for a while, very successfully. Um, but as the general manager, I just, I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, you know, that, that's, a, you, you brought up an interesting point with assistant GM, you know, because you're not hiring him from a different organization. He might be a guy that would be very eager to jump into like a player development, or, you know, assistant GM in some capacity. And I, I think that he would be a great asset to the organization. I just don't know if it would be as GM right now. And, and I, I, but I think that he's a very intriguing person to bring into the organization. I never would have thought of it that way, but, you know, Pierre Huet is a, is a, is a legend when it comes to RDS. So is Chantal Maccabay. And and what's interesting is that Michel Lacroix also works for RDS. He does, he does some sports, uh, um, I think tennis and golf he used to do anyway, um, for RDS as well. So. You know, and you talk about Guy Boucher. We talked about him earlier. He also works for RDS. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so you know, the, the, there might be a lot of uh, a lot of people coming from RDS uh, in the Canadian organization. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that he'd be an asset to the organization. I, I, but again, I don't know enough about his viewpoints to say, oh, he'd be a great GM or a bad GM. But I do think that he'd be an asset to the organization, and he's intriguing on that side of things. I, it's um, for sure.
0: The, the one thing I forgot to mention is like the other night when the Habs were had like a sh- super short bench and uh, and they played that stupid game against Florida that never should have happened. Um, they brought up a graphic on RDS and they were like, we have six, I think it was six players from Quebec that are in the Montreal Canadiens lineup. And he was like lauding over it. And for me, it was concerning because it was like, you didn't once mention that those guys only got in the lineup because half the lineup, more than half the lineup either hurt or has COVID. So if that's what you're into, is just bringing on guys from Quebec for the sake of having them on the roster so that you can say you did it, I don't
1: love that. But- in, in, in fairness, though, Cedric Paquette was going to be on the roster regardless for better for, for better yeah. force. And, 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 you know, there are, you know, Matthew Perot was hurt and, you know, there are, you know, French, French players who were hurt. But yeah, I, I I don't wanna hold that against him, but at the same time, there's different there's ways to build a team with French players without just throwing whatever you can uh, on the ice. And and look, the Canadian situation yeah. right now is completely Man. different than it is um, normally. But yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I I I I like Mark Denis a lot. And, and Pierre Hood had a lot of um, not so good um, color commentators uh, between Yvon Pedneau, uh, and even at the end, um, Yvon Pedneau was was kind of um, you know not not necessarily raising his game to, to the the to, to the regular the standard of, of today's comic commentary. But then yeah. you know Benoit Brunet was not very good in, in terms of a, a color analyst. And then Marc Denis came and was a game changer. And, and, yeah, just very smart. Someone I would like to see in the organization. I wouldn't mind. He's obviously, you know, leading the, the Quebec task force of, of bringing hockey back to Quebec, um, you know, bringing it to a, a higher standard and, and part of that, that group uh, of people who are, are trying to build the game back up in Quebec from, from the provincial government. Yeah. Great thinker. Um, Absolutely. I don't know if it's GM right now, but the good news about what his role is with RDS is that you can bring him in and not have to don't have to hire him away or hire him off from a promotion or anything like that. He's somebody you can bring in, and if he's interested, uh, will be will be an asset for that. Um, quickly, we'll go to Stefan Quintal, who is yet another former <laughs> Montreal Canadian on this list. Uh, worked in NHL player safety. Um, for, no. for a bit <laughs> yeah I, I, he's just a name that's been, you know you mentioned the guys who have just been around without really knowing doing much and you know he has no front office experience his his knowledge with the um with NHL player safety like okay great but I mean you know yes that was Brendan Shanahan's kind of gateway into Toronto but I, I just don't know like that that would be I mentioned that the that then he would be a boring pick. I think he would be the boring pick. Like this would be the equivalent of hiring um, a guy who has been GM before. Right. Like, I I just think that it would be, it would be boring. And again, I don't know what his, his viewpoints are. Like he's been very quiet. Like he hasn't really been in, in the spotlight, but yeah, I I just, I, I, you know, you talk about, he's just basically, I feel like he's there because he's a guy who's been high up in hockey operations and in, in the NHL and he speaks French and they're like, yeah. And I, I just, I, I'm yeah. intrigued. Yeah. Like I, I want to see what he would say uh, and what his viewpoints would be. But as of right now, I just don't see enough there to say. And again, maybe somebody that he brings, you know, someone you can bring in as, as GM or assistant GM, sorry. Um, and, and do things like that. But uh, at, at the same time, I just don't see him as, as the top candidate just on paper right now. No,
0: no. Like you said, probably the most boring choice they could possibly make. Um, it it, it's only interesting in the sense that you're getting away from somebody who hasn't already done that specific job before. But (laughs) if if I may, you know, anybody who's been involved in NHL player safety, hard no, hard no. Maybe maybe we would actually
1: maybe maybe we would actually get the Canadians to be on the right side of some of those calls. Oh, Um, especially no.
0: Absolutely not. It'll get worse just so they can prove that they're not there's no biased bias <laughs> to any particular individuals or anything. Yeah. They're gonna be like, well, yeah, Brennan Gallagher looked at a goaltender, <laughs> eight games.
1: In, in, in fairness, that you know, when, when Boston had that conflict of interest, they didn't really show a bias against Boston. So, well, you know, the- <laughs> we know Batman, Be- Be- <laughs> Batman
0: likes the American market a little bit more than the Canadian. ones. So. Oh,
1: I, I'm not going there. I'm not touching that one. I am not touching that one at all. Um, we mentioned Ken Hughes a little bit. Uh, he, he's in the first rounds. He's kind of the, he was a, he was a name that was brought up right away. Um, but kind of cooled off a little bit from there. Um, and, you know, there's, I think it was Pierre Lebrun who said, um, he might not even be interested <laughs> in the job um, and, and not in the first round of, of things. And, you know, he's a player agent. He has Chris Latang, which we mentioned Pritice Bergeral joining the organization. Uh, well, his, his agent is Ken Hughes. Um, Darnell Nurse, Drake Batherson, Mike Matheson, uh, Anthony Bavillier, a bunch of names um, that are active NHL players right now. Uh, some up and coming players, um, Alex Newhook, uh, Joe Valeno, so, I, I mean, obviously someone who's, you know, entrenched in, in the air in, in, as an agent. Um, but, yeah, he, we're not going to really go talk about him because just the interest around him is cooled. Uh, yeah. There's reports that he's not even being interviewed right now. So. But he is a name to think about. And, and I'll use that to segue into um, what is probably going to be the most interesting thing to look at. And that's the two women who are on the list. And Emily Castongue is somebody that the only question of whether she'd be a good candidate or not would be whether she was interested in the job. Yeah. And, and when you found out that she was interested, that's, that's somebody that, that just sticks out and has stuck out since the Canadians said they wanted to hire a woman in hockey operations as somebody who can be a GM or assistant GM. And you talk about building somebody up in the organization This is an up-and-coming person in hockey. You know, she she represents Alexis Lafreniere. She represents Marie-Philippe Poulain as an agent. She worked in, uh, before becoming an agent, she worked for the agency she works for now in CBA, um, you know, uh, looking at the CBA, working with the CBA, um, understanding the CBA, uh, making presentations and, and things like that just somebody who has a ton of hockey experience for somebody who is still relatively young. And, and is just, I just think I, I've, I've gotten to know her a little bit, just, um, you know, being in women's hockey and, and being around Matthew playing a lot um, just somebody that I have a lot of respect for and someone who I would, I would absolutely bang the table for to join the organization.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she was the first female agent to be yeah. certified by the NHLPA, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then to have like a high profile, first overall consensus, first overall draft pick, like Alexis Lafreniere signed with you, you're doing something right. I mean, um, degree in finance and, and a law degree on top of that, she's clearly not only a very smart individual, but somebody who has experience in hockey because she interned under, under Pierre Gauthier as well. Yeah. So uh, again, this would be a very interesting hire specifically because it departs from the again what I talked about earlier that revolving door of people who have just done the job before right this is a very bright young candidate with experience in hockey and specifically experiences as an agent, right? Kent Hughes was an interesting name when I first heard it. Cause I was like, Oh, a player agent. So you're telling me we could get somebody who's been on the other side of the <laughs> negotiating table. Yeah. That's interesting to me because obviously you have an intricate knowledge of how it is that they think, how it is that they, um, for, for example, I know for a fact that they, they like to prepare like PowerPoint presentations to show teams yeah. um, because I had a player agent, you remember last year, a certain <laughs> yes. player agent who will, who will remain nameless send me a PowerPoint presentation that they were going to be showing to the Montreal Canadiens to try and uh, convince them that that player was worth a certain amount of money. So she would have that kind of knowledge of exactly how the agency works in terms of negotiating for the players and then brings that to the table in Montreal I'm I'm not sure, I, again, having an internship and having a law degree, great experience, obviously, and experience as an agent, excellent. But again, I think she would be an amazing pick for an assistant general manager. Let's bring her on, because if you brought her on and brought her directly into the GM role, she's one of those candidates. And I, I hate to say it, but because she's a woman, a lot of people are going to scream, this is your French speaking puppet. Yeah. Right. As mm-hmm. deserving as she would actually be for the role, and as much interesting experience as she has, and as much as she is very much a departure from that revolving door of, of old general managers that have just done the job for years and years and years, people are going to scream that from the rooftops because they're not going to see, but you know, people don't like to see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're going to think that she's just the mouthpiece for for Jeff Gordon. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to see castron gay especially as an assistant general manager i think would be an amazing hire and potentially somebody who could take over in the future or again as you mentioned she might get julien brisboard and she might get stolen by another team but while she's here she could be a very significant asset to this team especially with that experience as an agent
1: yeah you know look you mentioned being an agent things like that look just in terms of being uh involved in negotiations look look a lot of things went badly when Mark Bridgman had to negotiate with people. Right? It, did. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it just, it just did like, you know, like Max Pacioretty, um, Alex Galchenyuk, uh, you know, Daniel Briere, even to a certain extent, um, uh, Radulov, Markov, like, it, it's just, it, it's, it, it's good to have that perspective on, on the other side of things. And, and yeah, I, I definitely think that if she's hired, you'll hear not only token French speaker, but token woman. And I don't know if that's what the Montreal Canadiens necessarily want, and and uh, that that's it's a tough thing to overcome, right? It's a tough thing to overcome, but it's it's definitely she's definitely somebody that I um, think will outgrow those um, those buzzwords, and and will definitely if she's interested would be an asset to the organization. Definitely, um, that brings me to the last uh, candidate that we've really heard of. Uh, on these lists. And that's Danielle Silvajo. And you want to talk about somebody who knows hockey. And Danielle Silvajo is one of the smartest people that I've talked to uh, around hockey. She understands the game. She loves the game. And w- what's, what's intriguing about Danielle Silvajo is that unlike some of the other people um, on this list, is that she would be, yes, she would be new to the NHL, but and she is not inexperienced. Right. Like she's been around hockey for over 20 years, uh, just on a high level. Right. I mean, she was with the, the Montreal rocket back in 99, 2000. So over 20 years ago as the first woman to be an assistant coach. And the only thing that stopped her from growing in the men's game was the fact that hockey Canada offered her the job in 2002. Um, <laughs> for for the, to, to coach the Olympic team. She was an assistant 98. So she she was assistant coach in '98, um, where they won silver in Nagano. Then went to the Montreal Rocket. I want to say junior, but it's the Montreal Rocket, the the first team. And under you want you to talk about RDS connections. She her, the head coach was Gaston Terrien. The assistant coach was Jubel Delorme. Um, two people who are on Anti chambre a lot uh, on RDS, or at least were uh, at one point. But uh, worked with them for a year and then like i said hockey canada called for the 2002 olympic team she won that gold medal rest is history um, ran that program for for a long time started the university Montréal carabin which has become one of the strongest women's hockey programs in canada um, she's worked with the french women's hockey national program as well and what what intrigues me about daniel sauvageau is that she, she would not just be a puppet. Like she, she's, she, she would like, I, I'm curious what she would bring to the organization. Was she a cop? She was. Yes. Uh, yeah, she was. She was a cop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I, don't, I wouldn't see a puppet in that case then. She,
1: yeah. <laughs> like th- That's the whole thing is like, you're bringing in, it, it's like saying, uh, I can't even bring a, a parallel to it, but like she is so experienced and has so much experience under her belt that she would be, she would have some opinions. And 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 I'm really curious what those would be. And, and I I, you know, I would like to see what she would want to do with the organization um, from a personnel perspective and, and just someone that's really intriguing because you talk about somebody, you know, a lot of these candidates are people that you want you feel like Jeff Gordon will mold into like a general manager. And and then you have Danielle Silvajo who is, you know, far, far past the point of molding. And, and that's what intrigues me. And and even seeing her name. Involved in this and interested in this is super intriguing to me because uh, I, I think that her interest in this is is super interesting and, and just I want to see what she would bring if she would bring into the organization and and that that's what's intriguing me because I, I she is so entrenched in women's hockey that for her to make the jump I'm really curious what it would be like and it, it's it, I would just like to see what she would say I, I would be I would be a fly mm. on the wall in that interview process personally.
0: I, I, again, can't give any credit for Hockey Canada experience, though. I, I'm sorry. I just can't. I understand. She it's was the probably, first
1: one to win a gold medal. Though.
0: It's probably not that easy, right? <laughs> and I would argue maybe it's even easier for women's hockey because you're really competing against the U.S., right? And in recent years, I guess Finland has has kind of come on a little bit and Sweden. Sweden's get, getting up there, too, right? But f- for the most part, it's like, how do we beat the U.S. is your biggest challenge. Roster challenges—you don't have them. Like you know who your best players are, and you have again the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop in the world uh, among female hockey players are here in Canada. So I I I just can't give any credit for that. But I googled her while you were talking just to see, and there's some other things in addition to being a cop. She's Order of Canada.
1: (laughs) Yes, like you
0: can't get more accomplished just like as a person than than having the the designation as an officer of the Order of Canada. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I, again, though, I, I think this is another candidate where you'd have to be looking at, at AGM at most, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. Uh, you know, somebody who, a former police officer that's also in the order of Canada, I don't see them being viewed by anybody as a mouthpiece for Jeff Gordon. Um, it, th- that'd be pretty hard to, you know, put somebody with that kind of a personal resume up against Jeff Gordon and think that they're just there to speak French for him and be his translator. But I, I think you, you'd have to go AGM if, mm-hmm. if anything.
1: Yeah. And also, somebody who works at RDS. Again, <laughs> yeah, this women's hockey for RDS as well. They're so gonna pillage RDS.
0: May, and look, maybe she interviews, and they're like, "Hey, we really like what you said, but guess what? We're just gonna make you a coach. Like, we're just gonna empty out the RDS office." Yeah. You know, gradually. what? there's,
1: there's no, like, there's no question in my mind that if Danielle Savoie stayed in men's hockey in in the early two thousands, that she would be in an NHL coach, whether as an assistant or um as as a head coach there's no doubt in my mind just because the 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 mind that she has and and the way she thinks the game is is super um is super new school but also like just fresh perspective um and and like I said someone that uh, I have a lot of respect for and and the fact that she's even involved in in this part of it someone who's also on the committee that Mark Denis is heading as well so there is that connection um as well. So, yeah, you know what, there, there's, there's a lot of, of things to like and, and you know what, there's a lot of front office positions. There's development, there's, you know, there's personnel, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can bring somebody in for. And and I think that we have to look at some of these candidates as, as potential hires for that as well. You, you know, there, there's a the rumor going around that they're going to hire a man as GM and a woman as as assistant GM. I think it even goes deeper than that. I think you're going to look at development and scouting and and ways to implement development and, and things like that. These are yeah. all super important things and things that Jeff Molson and Jeff Gordon both emphasized. And I think that modern and fresh approaches to those aspects. And you know, we haven't even talked about who's going to replace Trevor Timmons. Yeah, exactly. Um, as well. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity here for the Montreal Canadians to really move into the 21st century. And I don't think that Mark Brisman did that. And again, we're in a different world than we were in 2012. In 2012, forward thinking wasn't uh, as as avant garde as it is now, right? It's it's not something that, you know the way that Carolina is run, the way that Toronto is run, the way that you know uh, other organizations are are run and, and have success. Tampa Bay, even you know, to in 2012 they, they they weren't really you know they had a Stanley Cup, but they weren't the team that we know now, right. A lot of has changed, you know, look at teams that were successful back then and are successful now. And there's not many that are both that are still successful, right. You look at how LA is run right now, just building through prospects and building and building and building. And, And I think that Carolina is, and the Rangers are two model organizations, even Toronto, Toronto hasn't had the success in the playoffs, but you look at organization building and they've made mistakes Their, their cap structure is a little bit off. Um, you know, there are some issues there, but in terms of building an organization, there's things that you can take from there. And one of the things you can take from them is that they were one of the first to bring in women, Haley Wickenheiser, Danielle Goyette. Um, they, they have other women in, in hockey operations. They have a whole analytics team that I, I think that Montreal, when Jeff Gorton has done this, is going to look a lot more like Toronto structure um, than, than it did before. And uh, I, I'm just super intrigued by this because look, Trevor Timms has been in Montreal for what 20 years about like almost 20 years. Um, Mark Visma has been there for 10. Like this is, this is the first time that we're really seeing what the future of the organization will look like. And, and I'm super intrigued by it. And, and we talked about these candidates and, you know, I don't even, like, I, I care who the GM is because it, that's the one that's going to be the front and center, but there's so many other things that are going to change in this organization in the next few months that is going to really help this team take the next step. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that a lot of our, our listeners and a lot of our readers that have us in the Prize are looking forward to as well. We'll have a lot more on this going forward. Um, we don't know when the next hockey game will be, it's supposed to be January 12th. We will see. Um, Matt, thank you for taking the time and, and looking through this list. Let us know what you think on the article on the website and the comments uh, on Twitter at EOTP underscore radio. Uh, what you think about the candidates, whether you agree with us, whether you think Patrick Waugh is going to be great. We'll be following this story very closely. Uh, thank you for listening. Stay safe. And uh, we'll see you next time on Haps and Biden.